you one second we are live uh, hello good morning good evening good afternoon uh, ladies and gentlemen this is prayan khandelwal founding partner photon legal your host for the day i'm an engineer turned lawyer and a tech enthusiast which actually pulled me towards my uh, towards the metaverse a uh, lot of people have been talking about metaverse since facebook changed their name of the company and made it to meta followed by their grand acquisition of a hardware company a virtual headset company called as oculus and since then everybody the internet has started to buzz around with the word meta and metaverse a lot of people confuse that metaverse means facebook or a new facebook which is going to be in the metaverse but that's not true today the distinguished panelists who have joined me uh, named shayan jay nate sharan and bernard all of us together will help you understand what exactly is metaverse what all different possibilities metaverse bring to the world and what all different activities you can do in the metaverse like the one event which we are conducting today had it been normal uh, situations we would have been meeting online on zoom teams or webex but no we want to see we want to test whether we are ready with metaverse or not that's why we are hosting this fantastic webinar in metaverse are we metaverse ready so that's the question that's the question to everybody uh, to all of our viewers to all of our participants and towards the end i'm sure you're going to be having the concrete answer to this question are we metaverse ready or not so let me without further ado let let me start introducing our panelists today uh, <clears throat> i'll start with bernard so bernard is the ceo of nubian media and he has been involved in the community and schools for almost 20 20 years of his life he as a consultant he has been leading project uh, and responsible for deploying wireless technologies in chicago schools in the mid 90s uh, bernard has been implementing designing and develop uh, deploying wifi solutions for almost 1700 public and private schools and community centers bernard recognizes the need to implement technology engineering science and maths in the inner city schools moving forward uh, today uh, in collaboration with publishing and media companies bernard is tasked with leading the charge and initiative of building and creating the first nubian metaverse thank you so much bernard for gracing the occasion today all right moving on to the, our second speaker we have sharan joseph sharan is currently the ceo and founder of creve assis a data science and ai platform for enterprise companies uh, today sharan advances the use of data and technology in real world business application Sharan is having more than 20 years of experience in marketing sales at different Fortune 500 companies and for last 5 years she has been involving herself in founding and advising different startups in data science space. Sharan has also been the VP of Walmart account and ran almost 500 million dollar P&L accounts. Sharan is an avid reader and is currently researching the impact of data in metaverse. Very interesting aspect Uh, we're going to have be having lot lot of discussion around consumer retails and the brands and everything uh, in metaverse related data thank you sharan uh, for for coming uh, today 
Thank you, Priyank. Really excited to be here. Love talking about how brands are using the metaverse and then all the data behind it, and then what the future is of data within the metaverse as well. Super. Next, we have Net. Net Essene is on a mission to create memorable experiences. Uh, he's a creative guy with background in 3D animation, film production, and advertising. Right after college, he started his digital agency and sold it after three years. Over the last 15 years of his career, he has worked on film sets for Amazon, Intel, Nike, and others. Currently, uh, he's a metaverse change practitioner at Accenture, and he's creating 3D worlds, interchangeable, interactable items, videos, and training materials in metaverse for conducting different events. Nick has also been recognized in Wall Street Journal for his works on metaverse. It's going to be an interesting conversation with Ned to discuss different developments around the technology. Thanks, Ned, for joining in. Thank you for that introduction. I'm excited to be here. Super. Next, we have Jay Is. Jay is a co-founder of Ozone Metaverse, which is a next generation platform to power the creation of metaverse at an internet scale. He has successfully developed and deployed a proprietary and exclusive web technology to build virtual reality experience at scale on the web. Jay is going to, of course, take us on different challenges uh, when it comes to taking, uh, implementing Metaverse for your real, real businesses and the transition from digital to the physical world. Jay, thank you so much uh, for coming Thanks over. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Lovely. Next, we have Shyam Salehi. Shayan is a co-founder of Groundo. He's recently helped a Metaverse startup raise $2 million. Shayan uh, started his first company when he was of age 16. We wish to love and learn from his experience what he knows about the tech ifs and buts and tips of the Metaverse and the DLT industries. Shayan, thank you so much for joining in here. We're delighted to have you here. Cheers, really happy to be here as well. I'm really glad to hear about what others are saying today as well. And yeah, looking forward to learning a lot, sharing experiences and yeah, thank you. All right, so let me start the show. Uh, thank you so much guys, you guys are wonderful. My first question is to Sharon. Sharon, what is that one thing which you are dying to share with us today? Thanks, Shayank. Uh, so I guess the one thing for me is around, and it's hard to say one thing because I'm excited a lot about a lot of things in the metaverse right now. Um, I look at the trends, right, from across anything that we've seen. So the thing I'd share with you all is you're looking at what's happening with the metaverse, where you want to go, do you want to get a job in the metaverse. I look at data and all the trends that are happening. And the biggest thing I look at, first of all, is like how much money is being spent by companies. And what part are they spending that money? Um, we were sharing just backstage about, you know, right now, a third of the companies that are in the metaverse, and again, those are the first movers or the innovative companies, and they're spending between 10% to 20% of their budgets. When I worked on Web 1.0, you know, you want to think about 15, 20 years ago, we were spending 5% of our budget on digital. And so as a marketer, I was told, hey, you need to spend 5% in this space. When I start to see budgets of 10 to 20%, that means that people are leaning in and there's a huge amount of opportunity, not only from an investment standpoint from companies, but for anyone who's interested in this space, jobs, careers, 
um, putting, putting your own company together. So when I think about areas that you want to look at, you should be looking at where things are happening. And in particular, when I think of the companies, they're looking at their innovation departments, marketing departments, R&D, sort of board level, and then others. So consider that as you um, walk through your journey through the metaverse. Did you want me to continue, Frank, or we panel or we panel discussion? So I guess I'll keep going. So the other things I think about are um, data security protection um, and those concepts around what is available and not. And so we're all familiar with smart contracts. Um, obviously, within the context of blockchain and open source, all that information is available. So you're not hiding behind anything other than the information about you personally is not there, but NFT data is available. The receipts on the blockchain on the blockchain are available. The conversations around privacy, etc. You know, this is a new space, and so when you think about even legal teams trying to hustle behind this and figure out how to be able to navigate through this, it is really going back to: Are we ready for smart contracts? It's a whole next generation of how you deal with contracts and legal agreements. And when I used to work in um, marketing and sales, and as I moved into data security, privacy, and just data overall, you have to think about how complicated that is and make sure that you're addressing all those upfront. So I'd say there's a lot of trends that are upcoming um, within this space and that as you continue to think about where's the priority, you want to figure out what area you would want to be. Um, and obviously we saw the amount of, of, of innovation around NFTs, and we saw that Sotheby's, I think, um, worldwide had the highest uh, priced realized $3.6 million with the rare um, Pepe um, NFT. And so when you think about even that space and the amount of creator economy that we have and creators actually owning their information and whatever they've developed, there's this is a next generation of an economy that is opening up new jobs and new opportunities, which is pretty exciting. My last thing around um, trends are AI. So for me, having worked in AI for the last few years, working in an AI idea generation platform where we look at open source data and try to solve for innovation um, problems and opportunities, I think about how AI will apply within the metaverse. And again, that's against the consumer journey. So you as a consumer or as you're thinking about yourself as building a business in here, how are you looking at that consumer and what they're doing, and how are you trying to understand them better within this universe? So I think, uh, Prayant, those are kind of my big themes. Um, so from an occupation standpoint, what can you do, data standpoint, privacy, um, NFTs, and then obviously when you think about where you want to head, um, are you in a space that would potentially even double in terms of 95% growth? And that's the compounded annual growth rate in the metaverse right now. So the market size right now is 800 billion and it's growing at 95% each year. Super, super. Fantastic. Yes, Sharon, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, last week I was reading a report which mentioned that uh, by 2028, Metaverse is aimed to become a trillion dollar economy. And with the kind of rate, which is 95% rate, it is growing, it, it is massive and it has ample opportunities. When it comes to app opportunities in Metaverse, let, let's move to Jay. Jay, you have co-founded an Ozone Metaverse itself. We would love to understand from you the challenges businesses face while moving to Metaverse. 
Thank you, Brian, and um, great, great points. Um, great points there, uh, Sharon, for sure. I would say the biggest challenge currently, and for a long time, has been a technical challenge, right? The, the, the 3D graphics have uh, traditionally been a very um, complex digital asset to handle. Mm -hmm. So if we look at the, 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 the idea, if you will, of these uh, synthetic walls and virtual walls, uh, aka the metaverse, right? Um, it is not such a new idea, but it's always been in the realm of um, uh, very complex accessibility. So, for instance, you always needed to download an application, you know. You always, like, uh, for example, this world we're in, you know, we all had to download this application to get in here and go through a certain setup. Um, then also there is, a, after you do all that, you need a pretty what's called dedicated hardware, right? So you need a dedicated computer and a machine to be able to run and support those 3D graphics. Um, so that's where we think the, the hardest uh, bottleneck is, and it's a technical problem we've been working on uh, literally over the last five years as we set out to make the internet 3D as a um, kind of a, um, a challenge, a personal challenge with, a, with a my co-founder and CTO, Mr. O, uh, when we were living in Silicon Valley, and uh, slowly we we started realizing that there is actually a need for uh, easier access for 3D virtual walls and um, and the interactivity, right, that these spaces can provide for the you know brand engagement, um, user retention, and and just fun overall, right? Um, so yeah, I mean it's, it's come a long way. It's really come, it's come a long way. Three uh, D technology has come a long way, and uh, but it is still for most brands and most um, IP holders, even now, uh, a very painful problem. Uh, here's the reason why: there are very limited tools that actually can enable to build three D applications today. Right, and the, and the main ones are game engines, which are the Unity game engine and the Unreal game engine. And so what's happening is, as all the brands and uh, the the world is trying to move to the metaverse, they are all resorting to these game engines, right? Which, as per their name, are game engines. So what what we've kind of tried to put together, and we still kind of have a lot of work to do there but we are building kind of a, if you would consider a metaverse native engine, right? So this the Ozone system is not a game engine that is used to build metaverses. It's been built from the ground up to deploy uh, the internet metaverse. So hopefully we're able to help uh, reduce some of the friction, but there's a lot of folks working on this solution and um, we're just happy to be part of the community and, you know, chip in our contribution. Fantastic, great points, great, great point you mentioned towards the end that uh, you're still, uh, I mean, you feel like you're part of a community which is building something great for the future and uh, there is a lot of friction, I agree, uh, a lot of people have been talking about it and uh, when it comes to looking at metaverse, uh, to the people, to the outsiders, it, it still feels like it's just another game or it's just another game world. I want to understand from Net what 
what do you feel as a 3D artist yourself, as a creative person who has been involved with uh, film production, animation, advertising industry and now currently leading uh, metaverse transition at the Accenture. How do you look at metaverse when it comes to real world applications? Is it easy to replicate? Is it difficult? Metaverse is just another game world for the people. What's your take, Nick? Thank you, Priyank. You know, I guess I'll stand up as you were standing and it seems a little easier to tell who's talking. <laughs> uh, it does, it does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's a great question. I, I think that the way I describe it to my gamer friends is like, you know, I have friends that have been gaming for years and years, but they still ask me, they're like, you know, what is metaverse? And I think one of the easiest ways to put it is it's like a game lobby. You know, when you're waiting for a game to start and you're there with your avatar, there's some really high quality interactions that happen there because you can interact with people, you're, you're in the shared space, and you're kind of in the internet as a place. And gamers are really familiar with that, and we've been doing that for some time. And what's happening now is the industry has taken notice, and now we can have these spaces by themselves, like we are right here, right now. And I think, you know, from a 3D artist perspective, it's the same as, as game development. It's not easy. Uh, there's a lot of things that you have to learn in order to get an experience stood up and started. And I think that uh, one of the things I'm excited about, though, is that this is going to build a true creator economy moving forward. There's going to be a huge demand for new worlds, uh, new avatars, new experiences. And the people that are going to be building those are not necessarily going to be people that are employed by a large game studio or organization. They're going to be people that are at home and participating in experiences with friends and family, um, in addition to people in professional roles. And they're going to realize that they have a need for a custom space or something. And they're going to learn how to learn the tools and to start building those. And NVIDIA has taken notice too. And they've, they've started to adapt tools and make it easier for creators to quickly stand up worlds and um, recently we've seen that uh, um, it's Unreal by Epic Games. They have started to create scanning technology now for uh, users with mobile phones with LiDAR so that it's getting easier to scan real-world items and then convert those to game items very quickly. The technology is not all the way there yet, but we're going to see some shifts in how, in how objects get created for in-world. And it's not going to be, it's not going to have such a high barrier to entry like it does now where you have to learn a very, very specialized set of tools and understand uh, polygon counts and optimization and things like that. Super, super take, Nate. Uh, that's an interesting perspective that it, it's, it's like a game lobby where people can do interaction. And when it comes to interaction, these are meaningful interactions as well because a lot of companies are trying to come up with real-world applications into the metaverse. So, and people are saying that it's, it's already here, it's, it's not away. I want to understand from Bernard as well. So Bernard, you, you have been a trendsetter in the technology when it came, uh, when, when it was early 90s. You adopted, to, deployed Wi-Fi solutions all over almost 1700 schools. How do you look at metaverse? I mean, you have been tasked with creating a metaverse yourself. What sort of innovations are you going to incorporate or you're looking forward to 
when it comes to creating your own metaverse? Oh, Over thank you. Um, here, let me let me stand up. Okay. Um, basically, for the past years, as a educator in high schools, as a career technical educator with applied sciences, um, I follow the trend of robotics. And I engaged my kids years ago in Lego to create a workforce development development initiative around technology. Instead of having our students and kids pick up roadkill or paint Vioxx and call that a workforce development training. So with that, I noticed a trend in robotics and I decided to implement this STEM initiative to teach them robotics, technology, and right now, and I live in Illinois. Hammond, Illinois, Hammond, Indiana, I'm sorry, is about 25 miles from me. Their white castles now have a robot flipping burgers. And it's the first of many that's coming. So I feel I prepared my students from 1999 up to now to get high-paid professional jobs, learning how to fix that robot that's in that white castle flipping burgers, how to exchange the hydraulic fluid and how to program it to make sure that it's putting onions on that burger instead of ketchup. Now, you forward one to the metaverse. Um, you have a lot of kids, and I tell parents that's involved in my STEM programs, if your child play Minecraft and they know how to build and create environments, they have the job set to make over $200,000 a year being a metaverse developer. Because if you look at Sandbox, you look at Roboblox, it's, it's, my, it's Minecraft. So integrating this into our schools it's going to be seamless, it's going to be fun, it's going to be engaging. Um, I am an old, I consider myself an OG gamer. Um, when the um, ping pong video games came out, when you had to plug it into your black and white TV, that's how old I am. And, and I thought it was cutting edge that next year when, when they made it for color TV. <laughs> so I'm very excited where this technology is going as an educator, a gamer, and a metaverse developer. And I have a number of videos that I've been creating these user concepts on the community in terms of how to adapt the metaverse, cryptocurrency, NFT, and how the arts, um, education, entertainment can be integrated to create something exciting. Interesting. So if the kids can develop the skills uh, which can help uh, to create a metaverse platform or they become coders of metaverse or they become 3D artists, they can actually earn up to $200,000 instead of flipping burgers. That's a great takeaway and to all the parents out there uh, if your kid is able to play Minecraft, then then uh, he sure can also develop tools uh, and create buildings in Metaverse as well. It's that simple. It's no brainer anymore. 
Exactly. Oh, oh, and also too, one last mention, um, software programs like Unity and Unreal Engine, those curriculums are free. And those are the tools that schools should be teaching opposed to teaching their students HTML, for example. Thank you. Great. I want to second I want to second that too. If you are you want to work in metaverse today, you have to know Unity. I just I can't emphasize that enough. Great. So Unity is the go-to platform uh, for your transition to metaverse swiftly. Uh, my question is to Shayan. Shayan, you have been starting the company since I mean when you were only 16 and you have been playing around with the digital world for quite a few I mean almost a good time now so my question to you about metaverse is this who will be the most beneficiated community from metaverse would it be large corporations again like Facebook Google uh, or Microsoft or metaverse is going to disrupt everything and even the individuals or the small business can also take benefit of it who will be the most beneficial <coughs> Yeah, well, I do think that a lot of companies have positioned themselves in a way over the last couple of years now, be it Facebook's acquisition of Oculus and I believe 2014, or whether it was Apple slowly moving into the augmented reality space, basically implementing the LiDAR sensor very early on, focusing on digital assistance pretty early on, coming out with emojis. Um, these companies have built the infrastructure for what is to come and what is to come is mainly defined by consumer adoption right so what device are the consumers going to adopt first that's going to truly define um, how people are going to interact with these spaces now everything else that we are building is essentially being played on their devices right now when it comes to the opportunities that are presented to uh, smaller businesses startups medium-sized companies it's as if the app store is starting out from zero now um, I've been working on a project on Unity before, Metaverser was the first open world Metaverse and we were able to raise a significant amount of money for that, but at the same time the limitations of Unity when it comes to the uh, quality were something that um, in my personal opinion um, make it be a bit of a, um, yeah, problem if you want to compete against AAA games as a platform where people want to come and also um, you know do play to earn missions um, engage with each other have interpersonal re uh, relationships that's really I think better suited for Unreal Engine's current capabilities now we have another end of the spectrum where uh, people like Jay and um, also another project I was working on are trying to b bring these tools to web so we know, we don't need to um, essentially run them on our devices. But the important thing to keep in mind is really Apple silicon chips. Um, they're going to come out with Reality OS uh, latest uh, in Q2 of 2023. Uh, um, they're essentially turning Swift, Apple's native programming language, into a uh, zero code um, environment where you will no longer need to code. You'll uh, just be able to build things 
things with Blueprint, similar to Unreal Engine. Um, therefore, I think that it will become easier and easier for businesses to engage with technologies, no matter whether it's a mobile app or whether it is um, virtual reality. The important thing is, I believe, for businesses to understand themselves, where they're positioned in different market segments, and what value they really want to provide in the digital world. Um, I've worked at Oracle, Datadog, large enterprises, and there, um, what I realized often was that a lot of the um, top-notch innovation that uh, they were uh, providing the market with wouldn't be adopted. Um, there were many, many instances where I thought, wait, this is the best solution to this problem that exists, but no one wanted to implement it. Um, so it is really important to understand who are the real uh, stakeholders of this industry, who are the companies that have positioned themselves uh, many, many years ago for what is to come, uh, what is NVIDIA Omniverse trying to do. It's important to understand the entire landscape, I believe, if you want to decide who's able to really win big. But I do believe that everyone else who's able to commit themselves to this industry right now um, has a great chance of shaping its future. But it is also, as I also uh, already mentioned, important to keep in mind the stakeholders of this industry. Great insight. So if you are an early adopter, you can actually shape the industry overall. Uh, plus, uh, there are a lot of opportunity is what uh, you focus more on the cost involved is also something which you will have to look into it. So my question is to Sharon. So Sharon, as Jay mentioned, Shyam mentioned that uh, transition to metaverse is simple. All you have to do is be, of course, good on tech. But now my question to you is this: when it when it comes to consumer mentality, you always observe certain kind of friction when you want them to move to another platform living the current one. So in, in today's instance, uh, we are all living in Wave 2.0 and then we are asking people to jump to let's say Metaverse, Wave 3.0 with of course giving them some ownership as well. But how would consumer react to this transition? Would it be okay? Are they still feeling some risk uh, which are associated with the uh, cyber world? How can this transition be seamless uh, in terms of cost as well, Sharon? Yeah, those are great questions because uh, my focus obviously is around what's the consumer thinking, what are the insights behind it? So I'm going to share a little bit in terms of like the thinking right now um, about Metaverse and the jobs and some of the data behind things with regard to adults. So a survey that was done um, by Insider Intelligence, January 2022, I'll post this on my LinkedIn for everyone, but I kind of looked at like, what, what are people thinking about the metaverse, right? So the first thing was, life in the metaverse would be more fun than real life. So let's think about that for a second. Do we think that life would be more fun? So across the board, um, it is evenly split between they agree, strongly agree, somewhat agree, they're not sure, or they strongly disagree or somewhat disagree. So right now, as it currently stands in today's day and age, so as of 2022, life in the metaverse to everyone is like, mm, I'm not sure it could be more um, fun than the real life. There's a large growth opportunity there, right? In terms of people not understanding. And I don't think that anyone should feel that life would be better there, 
but it's just a question to ask to see what consumers are thinking. Um, the next question is, the metaverse would make my life better. And again, evenly split across strongly agree, somewhat agree, somewhat disagree, strongly disagree, not sure. It's around you know 15 to 23% across all those. So again, people don't feel that the metaverse will make your life better. And if you think about even when we would have asked around uh, Web 2.0 and just the things with social media, no one thought that life would be better, but if, if you're asking a consumer, and then now when you think about it, there's a lot of things that change within our lifestyles because of it, good and bad, right? Um, the next question is, I can see myself using the metaverse to socialize. And clearly there is some agreement here on, hey, there's more people that say somewhat agree and strongly agree that there that in the metaverse there's more opportunity to socialize. It's a different environment for socializing. And then funny enough, I feel overwhelmed by the concept of the metaverse. You know, almost 50% of people in this survey strongly agree or um, agree that this is really an overwhelming con concept. And funny enough, just before this, I was talking to a few people and they're like, yeah, I would really love you to explain what metaverse is. And this is across all genders, all races, etc. So it's interesting that people are still just confused whenever I bring up the word. And then the next thing was, I don't understand the purpose of the metaverse. And more than 50% of people, again, feel like they have no idea about what the metaverse is and what's the concept behind it. Um, and then the, the funny thing is that the next question is around the metaverse will soon be as popular as traditional social media platforms, e.g. Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. And again, most people believe, so agree or strongly agree, that this is the next trend. So there's interest there for what it means. So the next thing I think about when it comes to consumers is like, okay, who's using it, right? And we think about um, the, the concept of adults, about 40% uh, are not using it at all, and only 11% are using it a lot. So everybody here on this call, and then obviously my, uh, my fellow panelists, we're in that 11%. So we're in the early adopter stage. Now, when you look at ethnicity, um, so it's about 10% that are Caucasian. Hispanic is 17%, so it's over-indexing there. Um, African-American Black is 14%, and then other race ethnicity is 13%. So when you look at all adults, interestingly enough, pushing a little bit more in terms of various ethnicities, which I, re I really like to see that, and I'm interested in that area. And so, again, you know, to your question, Priyank, I'm always about what kind of things are showing us that there's going to be more adaptation or adoption of this. And here's the last thing that I think is super interesting. Main reasons for joining the metaverse, according to um, users worldwide. So 50% of believe it's work possibilities or work opportunities. Just under that, so again, 48% think of art and live entertainment. 44% money investment makes sense because of crypto. 40% education, so Bernard, and then this is curious or interesting, 30% are online dating and socializing, and then it's 29% gaming. So I think right there it shows you, hey, people are interested in this area from an adoption rate, and you become faster adopted because you think there might be work opportunity, and so therefore you're interested in learning and becoming educated in this space. So I think a lot of exciting things, when I, when I look at all the information and the data with regard to this, there's something that says to me, this is going to be a faster adopted platform, um, even though I don't even want to call it a platform because I think of it as something completely different, but it's just one of those areas that we're in in our lives that is going to be something used more frequently than other things.
And then in terms of companies and what they're investing, you know, obviously crypto and NFTs were the highest. We've seen that over the last, you know, five, five X years. Um, the next thing is work environment. So any, anytime work comes into play, and again, it was the top reason people were moving into it, but if large companies are saying, we want to help work or remote work, then all of a sudden you have big companies who are interested and we saw that. I mean, even the JP Morgans of the world have been buying property and we've seen all the big brands, Louis Vuitton, et cetera. And then we've seen like the Chipotle's, the Wendy's of the world who are going in there. Once companies start doing that, they're pulling their employees into that space as well. So I look at that and say, you know, adoption is going to be a lot faster than what we would think. Even if the people who are out there aren't sure what's happening, they're going to start quickly asking a lot of questions and getting themselves educated. Thanks, Brian. Superb, Sharon. Uh, great take. Uh, and uh, as your profile says that you are analyzing data into the metaverse, you have given a lot of data uh, which can actually, which actually opened our eyes. And yes. Uh, we are proud to be part of the, that 11% uh, community who is using uh, Metaverse as an early adopter. Really feel proud about it. And uh, just to add a point that uh, Gartner also shared uh, recently the eight different applications of the real world applications which are possible in Metaverse. That includes dating, entertainment, shopping or e-commerce, education, workplace, uh, health. IP, which is innovation, intellectual property, and events. So, I mean, these are the broad eight topics which actually cover each and everything under the sun uh, in our real life. So, I mean, I don't think so. It would be hard enough to say that metaverse is nothing but a real replica or a virtual replica of your physical world. That that also brings a question to Jay. So Jay, you you have created your own metaverse as an ozone metaverse. I want to understand if let's say every other company is creating some of the other kind of metaverse for solving their own purpose or different applications. Would there be a possibility where multiple metaverses are also connected to each other like a multiverse situation in metaverse? Would there be scope? Or is there any scope of such kind of innovation where people can jump from one metaverse or one universe to another, which might be owned by some other person or the company as well? Yeah, thanks, Frank. This is a great question. Uh, just to be very clear, we are not the metaverse. We are the platform, right? So we understood um, about two years ago after really building the core technology that um, we're really here to serve, you know. We're here to provide infrastructure to make it very simple and uh, accessible and uh, hyper-scalable for really all of humanity to get in the metaverse, right? Uh, own their world, customize it, build it. We have a um, so the way we're really and starting to understand ourselves is a um, Web3 native engine, you know, to um, Nate's point and, and, and Cheyenne earlier. Um, I mean, Nate was mentioning, you know, you must have use Unity. Cheyenne felt like maybe some of the quality and the, and, and the, 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 the issues with Unity you know, what would you point to then? You know, you point at Unreal, right? Like when you mentioned AAA. But, 
I mean, results, uh, graphically, uh, you can get AAA results on Unity as well. It's just a matter of just spending the time on it. So what we, what we really want to be is an alternative to those two, right? Which is all web-based, uh, no code, uh, we call it no code, low code, or um, full code, right? Yeah. Uh, platform. And uh, this, uh, the challenge indeed of um, uh, cross barrier, right? They're called the walled garden. So there was a metaverse event about a year and a half ago. And uh, this is a very well known issue. It's kind of the holy grail of the industry, you know, because uh, by design, right, technically, this has nothing to do with applications being good or bad. It's just an application is what it is, you know. So if you think of an email application, an email application doesn't let you do video call, right? So it's not because it doesn't let you do video call that it's a bad application. It just serves a different purpose. So similarly, uh, Unreal Game Engine, uh, Unity Game Engine, uh, you know, they have been built with this kind of very uh, separate walled gardens, what they're called. And, and, and uh, the Epic founder himself, Sweeney, uh, back then, um, uh, they, they, they were talking about maybe it's going to take 10 years to, to take down these walled gardens uh, frictions. And that's based on the fact that, you know, he's like, oh, you know, uh, Unreal is like a million lines of code is going to take that long to... to basically uh, decouple but uh, we, we don't we don't believe uh, that view because uh, like our system for example being a very small company is already a quarter million lines of code uh, but it has to do with the DNA of the infrastructure so uh, here is here is the, the the bottleneck guys so there is a technical bottleneck it has nothing to do with people wanting to come together or uh, enable avatars to go from one place to another it has to do with number one, the fabric of the network, meaning where does the application live, right? As long as you're like Fortnite, let's talk about Fortnite or this application or any downloadable application, right? As long as the application is downloaded in a hardware like your phone, right? Or your PC gaming, guess what? You cannot take that whatever is on that hardware to another hardware, really simple, unless you really kind of manually move it over, right? Uh, many of us have found ourselves where we're looking for a document file and we're on the go and it's like, oh snap, it's on my computer at home. I don't have it on my phone. It's on my Google Drive. I don't have it on my email. It's not in the cloud. So 3D assets and, and graphics assets, you can think of them in the same way. Uh, so that's one issue of uh, portability, if you will. Uh, and then <clears throat> there is the issue of actually uh, the core computer graphics. And this includes uh, more like rendering technologies, like how each program could interpret, uh, you know, shader, vertices, um, you know, light information, animation is a huge issue. Uh, avatars in particular uh, have a very big problem with... Um, animation, uh, you know, portability, cross-platforms, and um, also, of course, scale. Scale is another huge consideration because some people build 3D worlds in centimeter scale, some people build them in meters, you know. Um, uh, we look at this amphitheater, for example, we all see it the same, 
right? Because we are all in the same application. If we took this amphitheater 3D model and put it in four different uh, 3D applications, it might just come out very, very differently. So uh, I, I, this is again, I'm, I feel like I'm a little bit talking about the technical stuff on the panel, but I hope this provides some insight, uh, Prime. Yes, on some of the challenges. And just one more thing, really. Uh, that's really what we're here to, to help, right? We're really here trying to build a unified field and literally just infrastructure for the whole world to, to, to easily, with a few clicks, uh, own their metaverse on the web and uh, uniformly accessible, just like the internet is today. Great points, Jay. I, I cannot agree with you more. The issues of portability, graphics rendering, cross-platform migration, and scalability are, of course, the ones which are concerning a lot of people. Uh, and uh, that also is very, uh, very clearly linked to the sustainability of the metaverse as well. Because as we all know, every transaction in the Web 3.0 burns some carbon dioxide as well. Right, so there's a gas emission fees which is linked to it. So uh, the the less the friction the platform offers, the better it is, of course, uh, in the adoption as well and in implementation of different use cases too. My question to you, uh, Bianc, do, yeah. do you mind if I if I respond to something that Jay said? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Why not? Okay, Jay, um, I really like what you're saying about looking at this in terms of you know, working towards this vision of having this cross-platform support for a Web3 metaverse. You know, the ability that we're all envisioning, right, the kind of that Ready Player One where you've got your avatar and you can move that between multiple experiences and platforms and your data moves with you and your identity moves with you and everything is integrated and this is going to be the future of the Internet. I would respond to that, though, in, in consideration for the people in the audience that have, you know, are, are here to learn about legal matters for metaverse and to think about metaverse today and kind of the things that, that uh, Sharon and I are working with on a day-to-day -day basis is that the, the metaverse isn't centralized or not, it, it metaverse isn't fully decentralized and it isn't cross-platform like you're saying. There are many platforms that are operating today that are not cross-functional in the least but still qualify in some way as these shared social experiences that we call metaverse. So I think in terms of what's happening today and immediate benefits for organizations out of, out of Metaverse, it, it's like we have those problems to solve, right, for 10 years down the road. But also we do need to remember that we're talking about uh, what, what is really here today. No, 100%, Nate. From this angle, yes, there is only one Metaverse, right? So my mentor and um, who I consider like a godfather to me in this space, uh, Tony Parisi, made a really great paper, which I would highly recommend everybody to Google Medium, it's on Medium, the seven rules of the metaverse, right? Um, and I'm sure, uh, Nate, you know Tony, right? I don't, but I've heard of that paper. Yeah, so Tony Parisi, he's basically the father of 3D graphics on the web, right? He, he wrote VRML back in the 90s. And he wrote this really interesting paper. And for us in the 3D graphics, uh, native 3D graphics community, we're pretty purists when it comes to definitions. And he did make a really great point. That's the rule number um, one. There is only one metaverse, right? 
And uh, to Nate's point is every single part of the cyberspace could be defined as a metaverse. You know, Zoom is a metaverse, this is a metaverse, um, every virtual world is a metaverse, but even non-3D applications are part of the metaverse in a way. I think that's what we're saying, right, Nate? Yes. Thank, thank you, Jay. And I, I wasn't disagreeing with you in principle because I, I support the rules that you're saying and the definition you're saying, you know, in a long-term vision, but I also want to be aware of, like, present-day use cases. No, for sure, for sure. This is definitely what we've described as far as, and I think just as a Prang's question, and same question that uh, was asked to Sweeney last couple of years ago is, um, you know, the, this walled garden construct, this how do we all go from one world to another in what uh, we consider, and many folks consider, the final iteration of the metaverse, which is this fully synthetic, like the sci-fi stuff, right? Um, and indeed, to Nate's point, uh, this is way off technically. Uh, I, I, we feel at Ozone like, you know, we spent the last five years working super hard to deliver something that's as close as can be um, in terms of graphics, accessibility, like the fabric is the internet, right? And that's rule number seven of Tony Paris's paper. So rule number one, there's only one metaverse. Rule number seven, the metaverse is the internet. So. There is definitely a long-term roadmap. Um, the, I have this slide where, uh, in one of the other talks I make, demystifying the, the, the metaverse, we, we kind of stand in the metaverse space, right, where the internet stood in 1997. It's that early. So, of course, everything right now in, in this uh, 2022 definition can be put into the metaverse. Um, for us, uh, at Ozone, we're really hyper-focused on like the final destination, and that's all we like uh, work towards on the to be enabling that for you know all of us and our children and next generations as well. But they're great, and I totally agree with you there, sir. Yeah, thank you for that. Oh, uh, good good points, added by Net and Jay as well. So Jay, you mentioned that as for the seventh point, uh, mentioned the people metaverse is everywhere. Uh, and uh, metaverse is everything. So w when that thing happens, or when we reach to the level where people are easily jumping from one platform to another seamlessly without friction, I, I believe there would be certain issues as well. So I want to understand from Bernard. Uh, Bernard, you have been into the tech industry for almost 20 years now. You have seen the rise of uh, Wi-Fi technologies and everything. Now, when it comes to adoption in metaverse and when everybody adopts to metaverse, now today only 11% of people are in metaverse, but then when 100% or maybe 80% of the folks who go into the metaverse, what challenges would it pose to normal people the way they behave in metaverse? Uh, who will be liable for the behavior of our avatars? If you do some misbehavior with anybody, with a girl or a boy or anybody who's responsible for it would would or should there be a checklist or check checks and balances in place on how one should behave in metaverse as well or do you think that kind of world we would enter into when everybody uh, jumps to the metaverse what do you think you know something i am so glad that you mentioned that because i look at the metaverse like the internet um, and so I decided to approach this in a community, or let me change that, 
the new buzzword is social community initiative. So because I work with a lot of ex-CEOs of music companies, uh, fashion companies, marketing executives, who feel responsible for the condition that the black community is in right now due to some certain genres of hip hop and certain fashion. So instead of me portraying that and promoting that, I'm going the opposite direction. For example, what you would um, experience in my metaverse in stemcityusa.com, for example, is jazz, educational um, content. You are going to experience um, video esports in a context where it's, that is enjoyable. So we're not going to have crazy trap music, gangster music, or anything that's going to encourage a certain negative behavior in my metaverse and in my community. And so what I'm doing for community adoption is to create those, um, create content that will um, highlight and celebrate that initiative. For example, if I could play a video, one of my um, metaverse videos that I created to um, show my community and people of how that looked. Um, let me go over here. Um, Danielle told me that I could walk over to the screen. I'm going to try to get used to the controllers here. Um, the year was 1971. Two Purdue okay. University undergraduates, Edward Barnett and Fred Cooper, pitched the innovative concept of establishing a student-led organization to the Dean of Engineering to improve the recruitment and retention of black engineering students to reverse the devastating 80% dropout rate of black students in engineering programs. By 1974, it gained momentum with the active participation of the young African-American men who later became the founders of the Nesby we know today and came to be known as the Chicago Six comprising Edward A. Coleman, Anthony Harris, Brian Harris, Stanley L. Kirtley, John W. Logan Jr., and George A. Smith. 1975, during his term as SBE president, Anthony Harris took the first steps to identify and contact numerous colleges and universities to explain the importance of the SBE and gain support. Oh yeah, and as this video's playing, I'm a part of the national, oh, sorry, my avatar's moving, don't didn't mean that. Um, I'm a part of the National Society of Black Engineers. So what I've been doing is teaching my students how to do mod-ups in this program to create exciting um, videos just like this. And um, Danielle, can you play a short one? Um, one that's um, an entertainment, a couple of seconds or a couple of minutes so they could get an idea of how entertainment is used in the metaverse and how I'm using that to adopt um, users from all platforms, from the cell, tablet, PC, Xbox, gaming console, every device can easily be integrated within the metaverse by using third-party applications and create those partnerships with companies like 
Microsoft Black Excelsior. Um, God had told me I was going to lose my job at the railroad. Yes. Now, these are a couple clips. Um, is from my good friend who is up for the Stella Awards, which is the gospel um, awards that's similar to the Grammys. So I created this metaverse um, environment to help him get votes. So he is pushing this out to all other church, the black churches. And now I have opportunity to bring the metaverse to the Black Baptist Convention, which is one of the largest um, religious conventions in the nation, as well as my good friend Grant with Five Star Marketing, which is a marketing TV show, and to help companies, especially black companies, brand their products. I created a promo for his show. So this is how that I get adoption within our community in terms of business, the education, um, education institutions, STEAM, STEM, everything. So absolutely. And that's and thank you very much for watching the videos. Great use case, Bernard. Thank you so much for explaining that and uh, I'm sure your friends would have won won the award as well for which you created the video. Uh, great, that, that's like a great uh, business use case which you explained. I want to move to Shyam quickly to understand how can brands, big or small, or the fresh brands, leverage NFT in the metaverse space. Sure. Um, well, I believe that it's really important to look at yourself as a brand. What do you do? For example, if I'm in fashion, there is obviously a very big opportunity for me to essentially digitize part of my supply and essentially also work against some of the negative um, factors that we're currently facing in the supply chain, such as supply shortages, right? If I'm able to sell 25% uh, of my projected sales on physical shoes as virtual items, um, and not deliver the physical item until the user requests the physical item to be delivered to them, that creates an immense opportunity for both the consumer who can bet on the value of that fashion product going up in the future and them not ordering the physical version of it and being able to resell it to someone else who might want the physical version. But at the same time, on the other side of the supply chain where the supply is coming, from is actually making it uh, much easier for companies to not have to deliver a lot of goods when those goods are not going to be immediately used. Um, especially in uh, times where there is going to be high inflation, um, something like this can become very, very useful, um, especially when consumers want to just put their money somewhere 
they don't really care about the good being delivered to them. They just care about having the rights of that good to be delivered to them at some point whenever they need. Um, it, this could immensely uh, make the supply global supply chain uh, function better. For example, um, now this uh, subtopic could be expanded from fashion all the way to food. Um, but when it comes to, for example, a car company, um, the car company is going to truly win in the metaverse if they're going to be able to make the first uh, truly functioning virtual car where the actual uh, virtual version of it contains all of the elements of the actual physical car. So the closer we can come to the real objects with the virtual twins or the digital twins that we're creating for them, I believe the more value we are going to be able to create for the consumer. Now, um, one more important thing that I see over the years coming and perhaps uh, people like Jay will be uh, really interested on working on would be a standard programmable file format for NFTs that essentially um, enables that beautifully detailed car to have a certain speed, certain uh, quality of braking, uh, certain quality of uh, interior, uh, different elements that essentially give that NFT a real utilitarian value. Um, and that's really where um, this uh, the crossing uh, or uh, the destroying the walled gardens for myself uh, comes into play. It's about uh, creating a standard file format that's programmable. Um, so I really think that these are going to be some of the uh, most important things for brands to leverage, essentially look at themselves, who are they, if they're a consumables brand, I believe that digital consumables could become very interesting, uh, also with regards to the utility of the consumption of those in a virtual space. Um, so there is uh, a lot of opportunities, I mean one of you put it greatly, we're in 1997 of the internet, maybe 1995 even, um, so there is everything that we can do there is a lot of creativity that we can um, explore <laughs> the only one tip I would give entrepreneurs would be to essentially focus on the story of their product um, a product that doesn't have a story is no matter how good it is it's not going to be able to uh, win in the market in my personal opinion due to the way the sentiment within these uh, web3 communities functions so um, really having a community and figuring out what your community wants um, and essentially treating that community well over time so it doesn't fade is, um, I believe, one of the most important factors that brands should take. Wonderful answer, uh, Shan. You mentioned about uh, creating digital twins and leveraging the power of it. So, in short, basically, the, the more closer you bring Metaverse to the real world, the better it is for any brands to leverage all the opportunities which the Metaverse offer. Uh, great take on it. Now, when uh, it comes Rayak, to... if yeah. it's okay, I would love to echo uh, Cheyenne's, um, Cheyenne's comment, because I think he said something really, really fundamental, which is the narrative, you know, of the projects, of each project. Um, what we're seeing currently, and, and the reason why this really resonates with me, because we literally just spent the last two months in a very deep dive uh, think tank, strategically thinking about that. Um, just being core development team, you know, we've been building our own graphics engine basically for the last five years, which, you know, if you know anybody who's in engineering, you can ask them, it's kind of a crazy undertaking, <laughs> like, who does that, right? But um, 
we really did. And so we've been thinking, okay, now we've done that, so what really are we doing? What are we here for? And that's where we came up with this, um, the infrastructure, we're, we're the infrastructure company for the metaverse, right? But it's true, I, I think Brian can give really a golden uh, nugget there for anybody working in this space. And even brands, as a matter of fact, because there's kind of a little bubble going on in the space where everyone and everybody, uh, basically in the last few months, it's November, right? is metaverse something 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 and then nft something 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 but the kind of utility and value added uh, you were describing cheyenne comes through indeed the definition of the identity the, the each project so we don't end up in a you know a, a me too world which is kind of happening now um, but uh, ultimately, it's normal that it happens, right? Because it's, it's exactly the definition of what the bubbles are. This happened in, across every single technological rollout, from mobile apps to the your first internet to, you know, video content to, I mean, everything, right? Every time there's a new platform and a new uh, VR, you know, in, uh, a few years back, uh, uh, crypto in 2017, 18. So I just wanted to appreciate your comment, Cheyenne, and. Um, the, the importance of really having a real narrative and mission and purpose really in, in, in a metaverse project. For sure, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> to be very honest, the main reason I um, point that out is because I personally had the same experience where I was uh, working on a platform that, you know, technically was great. Um, it did have a lot of assets, but one thing that was really missing for me, for myself as someone, you know, being part of the management team, um, was what is the real story that we're telling? Why is the consumer entering my space and moving within that? Now, we don't need to look very far to understand why consumers do that. We can simply look at video games or we can look at, um, marketplaces, um, we can look at websites. What makes people visit these places on a day-to-day? -day? Um, it isn't really the quality of engineering, as uh, Jay rightfully said, you can create great stuff using Unity, Unreal Engine, or any other uh, type of platform. It's about what is really built on that platform that makes it sticky, makes people want to come back. And um, this metaverse journey, if I t could take like one lesson out of it that I would give to every entrepreneur is really the single thing. Have an idea of the culture behind the product that you're positioning. Have an idea of what you're trying to achieve with that product for also the weakest links of society. Have an idea of how web technology can essentially empower different target groups so that the most valuable thing the target groups are generating for the companies is no longer the data as uh, we live in a data vampire age with the large corporations essentially trying to um, make the last penny out of our data think about what can it do for the peer on the other side who's giving up their data instead of thinking about the next big corporation you're going to be making rich with the data that your users are going to provide. Um, there is a lot more potential to the future than thinking in those old ways of data being the 
uh, most valuable thing that brands can harness out of the metaverse. I believe that it would become more interesting to speak about how giving ownership of data back to the users and controlling power of the data back to the users could not only empower the users, the artists, the creators, the gamers, but also how it could empower companies in new ways to create an incentivized economy around that data that essentially produces more and more value for those companies. Thank you. Shayan, is that, is that how you say your name? Is it Shayan? Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that, man. I uh, this one most thing. One of the things that I'm most excited about for the metaverse is the fact that we have an opportunity here to decentralize the power and to get our data back and be able to own that the outcomes of those da of that data. Uh, the book by Jerome Lin Lanier called "Who Owns the Future" is a great outline for how we can get paid for our data and how it's used. Yeah, I just love it when we start just thinking the same way without saying a word. You know, I was, I was just as he was talking, I was thinking about Gerald Lanier and his talk. So, hundred percent right. And I do want to be clear too. Like, you know, I'm coming from an enterprise enterprise perspective. Data is valuable to us, and I know it's valuable to Sharon as well. What she's doing, and you know, Jaron's vision is not that we wouldn't we couldn't use the data, but it is that you know you would know that we were using it, and that you might even get paid a little microtransaction mm -hmm. to use it. Now, 100%. This is something we get asked all the time, right? Uh, the, one of the first questions yeah. all our people, uh, clients ask, you know, uh, enterprise clients, we only do like custom enterprise metaverse uh, development now. And then um, we, we, as we are preparing our land sale and really the decentralization of the ownership of the new internet as we understand it, right? So we've been working very hard towards that. Little, uh, you know, shameless plug for everybody here. This is not quite out in the open yet, but uh, we are about to roll out a 60-day countdown to our release. So please definitely check out our website, ozonemetaverse.io. But to, to the guy's point, uh, this data uh, <clears throat> mindset change. Let's face it, all these companies who are basically the internet uh, companies, including Google and YouTube and Facebook, their only source of revenue, or let's just say, at least 80% to be conservative, not to say 95% of the revenue is from advertisement, right? And advertisement is based on this infrastructure that is all like data, uh, I don't want to say driven, because it's actually beyond that. As we all know, there have been a lot of issues. And in Europe, especially Europe has taken kind of a little bit of a stiffer stand on data privacy. Uh, being a UK company, we're, we're pretty, um, familiar with some of the considerations there but guys uh, there is no data privacy that's the short version right uh, so how do we change that in, in this next generation of, of digital age like we've already become a digital species how do we now evolve to become a better digital species you know and um, just to share something random here is and to again demystify some of this complexity. The metaverse, as we understand it, is just a new user interface, guys. You know, it's basically a new way of interacting with these new data sets, which we already have on the web. And the blockchain becomes this new database, really, 
that is additional, by the way. All this is, a, is, is aggregate. We're not removing anything. We're just adding to it. And our wallets are now becoming our new login mechanics, right? And that's kind of how we understand the metaverse and the Web3 space. True. Good points mentioned, uh, Jay, with related to data privacy, security, and everything. So even at Photon as well, we have been dealing with a lot of tech startups these days who are looking at metaverse very ambitiously and are coming up with a lot of questions related to the jurisdictions, who's going to own what when it comes to data ownership, who actually owns uh, the data, and when the transaction happens, how much is the individual going to get his share for his data. So a lot of legal aspects uh, are also associated to the metaverse which we have been dealing. And then of course when it comes to innovation, uh, people have been filing patent applications left, right, center, even even big, big corporate giants like Google, Facebook, Microsoft, all are uh, trying to get hold of different technologies, different uh, seam seamless mechanism for transitioning from 2D to 3D, 3D world and there are a bunch of patent applications or different use cases as well. So when it comes to metaverse, when it comes to innovation, the, the, the ocean is blue, sky is open, there is no limit. Uh, whatever you see in your real world, as Shayan mentioned, uh, the way you drive your car in your real world, you can actually replicate those with, with a standard format for NFT in the physical, in the virtual world and you can enjoy the same feeling in the metaverse. Uh, so again, coming back to your point, Jay, uh, this is just a use case or an application layer built on top of what was existing in the internet with blockchain, with centralized system. Uh, but this is a new way of interacting and uh, I'm sure all of you would agree that uh, we are already here. We are, we are in the future, the way we have seen the movies, all the science fiction movies, we are actually here. Before, before we close to tonight, uh, today's conversation, I just want to ask one single question to all of you. All of you can answer turn by turn. Is Metaverse ahead of its time? If you consider Metaverse today in, in whatever shape, size, form it is, is it ahead of its time? What do you, what do you say, Sharon? Yeah, um, I love that question. There's, a, and I wanted to just highlight when we were talking just now, so um, Nate, Cheyenne, you were all talking about like data, um, where we're headed. And one of the things that I had been thinking about is when I look at business models and kind of giving back to the creator and the fact that we own our data, some of the best business models are where the individual is actually getting paid for their services or, or what they're providing. And what I mean by individual is, I'll use the model of Airbnb. Um, so, you know, obviously Airbnb is making um, something from it, but it's based on a community that they built. And then, you know, the, the dollars are going back to the individual, right? Who, and I mean, it's a retail space, so it's, it's how do you create that in the metaverse is something when I was listening to all of you comments in the last question, I really felt super passionate about what would that look like? And then your question, um, I think the, there, I don't think we're ahead of our time. I think there's a really great book. I, I love that we're in this right now and like meeting all of you today. There's a book called AI 2041 by Lee and Kufan. And it's actually a, an AI expert, knowledge expert. And he's from China. 
And then um, it's written by a storyteller who's also Chinese. So each of these, if you haven't heard of this book or picked it up, it's a, a perfect example of where we are today and then what would it look like in the universe in 2041. And we can see the applications. I always think of metaverse as an extension of AI. And we can see what life would be like. And you already read these stories and say, wow, this is what I think life could be. Um, so even though I think you know we're not there yet when it comes to um, just the glitches that can happen. I'm not going to go into all those because we could get into a lot of uh, detail on things, but autonomous cars, autonomous cars come to mind and just where we are with that. Um, and so if you read those examples, there's stories about what life is like and how we use AI to do things. And so I think we're already there. I think we're, we might not even think about the things that are happening behind the scenes with us, but a perfect example in this book, one of them was around healthcare and your insurance and thinking about all the things, the decisions you make in a day and how in the future there's a potential for an insurance company to make decisions on how much you should be paying based on your lifestyle choices. And so in, in this story, and I don't want to give away all the stories, but in this particular story, it's talking about a young lady and her parents and her parents realizing, well, I know what you're doing because you're making lifestyle choices and they're increasing our insurance premium. Right? So as funny as that is, that's kind of the, the things you can think about. The next story that's amazing in this book, which is one that's really touching to me, um, is it talks about twins. And they talk about their digital avatars and living with an avatar their whole lives, and then them as twins. And I'm not going to give away that story, but it talks about the realistic perspective of us as humans and why we need the human connection, but then having these avatars, how they can improve your life. And so I'm not saying... We're not there yet, but the, the concepts and the ideas are things that all of us are wishing that we had to make life, and not even easier, but to help us navigate through situations or use more information to make better decisions, or you know, the fact that we want to get to point from point A to point B in the least amount of time, or something at work that would help us make a better decision to help the overall community or company, um, or even just making life choices on schools and education. So. Um, I, I would highly recommend that, and I'd say we're not, I don't think we're too early. I think it's exciting for everyone that's in here now and just continue to get into this space now because, you know, the, we have a, a bright future ahead, but there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. And the, and the first movers, there is a first mover advantage here. So thank you, Prayanak, for having me, and thank you to everyone that attended today and the panelists. I look forward to talking to you more about this topic. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sharon. Great chat. Great session today, guys. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, so all the participants who are watching us today, uh, this has been a great pleasure. Uh, the topic is wide open. <clears throat> uh, the opportunities are endless when it comes to metaverse. And uh, that's what we have been uh, discussing about the event as well. So uh, again, I don't know what's happening. Something <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I think you're yes. getting ready for the party, right? I think there's a party coming. Oh yeah, yeah, there's a party, and my avatar is getting ready for it. All right, so that's that's what the kind of things happen. I mean, the metaverse would surprise you as you get surprises in real world. Uh, the reality kicks in, but yes, uh, going forward, there are a lot of applications, a lot of possibilities when it comes to adoption of metaverse, and uh, the time will tell. Uh, there's always an advantage uh, for a first mover when it comes to metaverse. Uh, 
like like the the party which we have now so uh, thank you so much everybody for uh, for coming over uh, it has been great pleasure thank you so much uh, my uh, great speakers sharon shayan jay nate and bernard you have been great giver you have great, given great secret sauce and you have helped a lot uh, and i'm sure all the tips which are given by you would help people to transition from yeah. virtual uh, physical to virtual world very easily Thank, Thank you, Priyank. I, I want to add just one because you asked, are we ready? I just want to highlight for all of us here, right? Humanity has never been ready for anything, you know, uh, wow. if you look at the evolution. So there is, there is no uh, still moment of uh, readiness. It's a, we're breathing, living species. So every day is a new day. Somebody somewhere is building something that's going to be a game changer. Um, and then that's innovation. Um, I think there is technical readiness, and yes, there is some work to be done, but I feel like I feel we're really ready <laughs> to basically stop dealing with just video content and get more into interactivity, uh, more um, like Tony Paris he said, the world we live in is a 3D world, right? So, right. yeah, and um, thank you guys for everything and looking forward to see you guys, everybody, later. Yeah, also, sorry, I would also just like to add before we go that, you know, um, the most important thing about that ready factor is that you need to realize who is ready. It's about you being ready as an individual with the values you carry as someone who's able to create change in the world. Um, <clears throat> there is a lot of reasons why there is a Web3 community today. There is a lot of reasons why 2% of global data is currently being utilized for useful artificial intelligence purposes. And 98% of that lives in data silos that's being untouched and no one ever uses them. There is a reason why we're also moving into this metaverse world and with digital assets because we're moving towards the fourth industrial revolution with most of production being automated and new forms of jobs becoming a necessity in order to be able to create a world that essentially still stimulates people's needs, um, kind of works with their abilities. So it's important that when you shape this world, you learn from the mistakes of other companies from the previous Web2 generation that are now trying to somehow become Web3 companies or they're going to figure out another angle at you know, this entire revolution that's happening. Um, do not build on the cornerstones that they laid before you. Try to set your own. Like what Jay is doing, I think, is fantastic with Ozone. I really hope that his vision for that uh, becomes... Uh, true and he's able to implement that. Um, creating things from scratch is sometimes hard, but it's really, really worth it if you're able to create value for people. And uh, yeah, I want to thank Photon Legal for giving us the opportunity today. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of Thank you, Shane.